Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will. This episode is Sean Stokes, Seth Gross, and me. Those guys have both been on the podcast, but they're in Durham, North Carolina, very successful restaurant owners, and they share some common concerns about issues going on in the industry. They've, They've talked, they know each other, and so we decided to just get together and have the three of us talk about things like uh, technology companies coming in and getting between them and the customer, getting customers sort of addicted on inexpensive services and then charging the restaurant fees or, or getting, you know, technology companies getting restaurants using their service at a low price and coming back later and increasing the fees, things like that, things like credit card fees, things like transparency and, you know, what type of food you are uh, serving to the public and educating the public on the difference between quality food and, you know, high quality food and low quality food. And a few of the things we talked for, gosh, probably an hour and a half and really enjoyed the conversation. We probably could have talked longer, but, um, and we may do it again, but this is a fun episode and it's a very interesting and very topical episode. And it addresses issues that every restaurant owner is facing, will face, you know, or is is trying to address right now, or certainly will be, because they're important and they're relevant, sort of across the industry. Thank you all for listening, and more coming soon. Make sure to rank the podcast if you have a chance. We love uh, to get a ranking if we could. If it's no trouble, jump on there and, and knock out some five star ratings. <laughs> It'll get the um, the reason for that is it's just it will get more people uh, exposed to the podcast in terms of how. Apple and other podcast providers will um, more frequently share it. Um, We're not, we don't advertise, so we're not asking for this for ad revenue. But anyway, uh, we just want more people to hear the podcast and more the better. All right. See y'all. Thanks. All right. We are live. What's up, y'all? Special occasion today. Uh, There's three of us. I am here at Lunar Rotisserie in Durham, uh, where I was recently with Sean Stokes, and we are. Also excited to have Seth Gross back. You were on this. You were one of the first folks on this way years back. ago. Yeah, yeah. man, uh, we've come a long way. So good to talk to you again. Good to actually meet you in person. We've talked plenty yeah. of times. And, Absolutely. Uh, y'all are uh, kind to come do this today. And we have, you know, this kind of came from Sean. You and I did an episode a month or two ago, and we followed up. And you said, you know, there's other things that are, you know, I was thinking about afterwards that would be cool to talk about sometime. And um, these are some of the issues that you and Seth are, are both addressing, as are tons of other restaurant people. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of good sustainable practices going on in the business now and, and a lot of really positive things. And there's also some things that, you know, are, are, are challenges um, that are becoming more prominent. So um, let's just take it with that, man. What's what, what was what's on your mind that, you know, kind of prompted prompted you to want to have some follow up? Yeah, I guess, like you said, there's a, there seems to be a growing trend in the industry, especially amongst um, smaller, independently owned restaurants, to uh, change a lot of the practices that have historically in the restaurant industry been unsustainable, and uh, adopting a whole suite of different policies and, and business decisions that um, that change uh, some of those trends. So, the, the sourcing. Uh, our ingredients, uh, the way that we uh, treat our staff, and um, and you know, Seth is someone who I met with even before I opened, just because he was a role model in that sense of 
having start, adopted a lot of these policies and um, was kind enough to meet with me before I, we opened here and um, talked to me about how he was tackling some of those problems. And uh, it's something that, that I'm proud of and I know that Seth is, is proud of and more and more local restaurants, in, especially in this area in the Triangle are, are adopting these practices. Um, but at the same time, there's also a lot of other trends that are taking place in the industry that are uh, creating more financial constraints that are making it more and more challenging to, to continue that trend. Seth, you want to? Yeah. So, in? yeah, this is Seth. The, I'm going to jump right in because for me, the heart of all of the issues that we face as independent restaurants comes down to, in America, we do not put enough value on food. Correct. And we like to say you are what you eat. We like to talk about how important it is to, to have a good meal, to yes. support local farmers. And we love those ideas. And I think if I walk down the street and I said to anybody who's walking down the street, do you think a cook in a restaurant should be paid enough to, to, to eat themselves, to get a fair wage, to, to make a living? I'm pretty sure most people, I would hope, would say, yeah, of course. And then I say to them, okay, well, then I'm going to have to charge you $10 for a hamburger to do that. And they would say, no, you're not because a hamburger shouldn't cost that much. And that's the problem right there because everything stems from that. People want to have great food, high nutritional value, want to know where it's coming from and all that, but don't put a true value on that of what it takes to do that. Yeah. I'm astounded by when I talk to people, they don't understand how a restaurant works on the financial end of it. And I talk to a lot of folks, we're in Durham. There's a lot of uh, biotech and a lot of computer folks and, you know, they talk to me, well, they're, they're working on margins of, you know, 400%, 500%. These <laughs> and I explained to them, our company motto is we're after 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. 10 cents. And, and hey, in pennies. the summer, we don't even get close. Yeah. You know, maybe in May when we have graduation weekend in there and all, and the weather's good, you know, we'll hit our 10 cent mark. And, and when I talk to these other business owners, they look at me like, why do you even do it? Like they had no idea that we're fighting for 10 cents. Yeah. And uh, I come from real fine dining where it might be three or four cents. And I guess from a mathematical business calculation, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to work that hard to do everything you do to try to make four cents on every dollar right. or even 10 cents. And so, um, you know, in that 10 cents now, I'm supposed to be making sure that cooks are paid well, uh, have benefits make sure that we're taking care of employees, mental health issues, all the things that this industry attracts. And I'll be the first to admit, I grew up in restaurants, I've worked in restaurants, that's all I know how to do. And the restaurant industry has been abusive to people. Yeah. We, we don't pay well, we don't uh, give benefits, people are expected to work 60 hours. If they're having bad times, emotionally, whatever, it's like, hey, suck it up, you gotta get in here. I don't care if you just burnt yourself, get back to work, that kind of mentality. And that's not right. On the other hand, though, those of us like Sean, myself, who are trying to do better, trying to pay people well and add, add benefits and take care of community and all of those things, there's only one way to do that, and that's to sell food. I don't know where the money is going to come from if we don't sell food. And to do that, it means the prices have to reflect that. And it's just simple math. Yeah. You know, um, well, why do you do it? Why, why do y'all do this? I love to eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, there's a number of reasons, but I, I think that I, yeah, generally I just enjoy creating spaces where people can have a good time and enjoy themselves and enjoy great quality chef driven, chef driven cuisine. And, uh, yeah, 
and then there's you know there's all the, the little things that kind of go along with it that are more of the lifestyle that I enjoy just kind of something new to do every day new challenges every day um, and that's just I think goes with my personality that's just what I, what I found that I enjoy doing we so a lot of this is um, and I want to get into some of the specifics about you know what y'all do I mean you resonated with with me big time when we talked years ago you you take a stand you have very clear principles about what you will and won't serve Mm -hmm. i I mean that to me just dude i mean i remember like i couldn't even sit still talking you i was walking around (laughs) on the phone because it really got me fired up because i I just believe that uh that's such an important part of a authentic business and but we need to educate we us all, all restaurants need to educate the public on a lot of this stuff they, they don't know as you said if you walk mm-hmm. down the street uh, what I also think is that what y'all are doing is becoming increasingly more important literally every day because we're moving we're moving away from the, the family dynamic the family dinner the time around the table at home we're, we're on our screens all the time. We're ordering stuff to our house on our screens. We're in such fast-paced environments. Whatever we're doing now, whatever our career is, there's like nowhere else to go where you can kind of put the screen away, sit here and interact with your family, with your friends, with other members of your community than the independent restaurant. I mean, that's yeah. you're sort of the last respite of where that can still take place and so the more that we the more that we're living on these things and the faster pace our lives become and the more technology that's just hitting us constantly this this interaction with people is just we need it more mm-hmm. whether we're conscious of it or it's subconscious i think but we need to make people conscious of how valuable i believe that i mean i think that's such an important thing that y'all do and understanding why your burger is ten dollars versus the 99 cent it's actually burger. 850 because 850, you can't charge because you can't charge 10 yeah versus you know the 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 99 cent one at mcdonald's like what's the gap and you know obviously it's better you know that but like what's really going on behind the scenes where is that meat coming from how is that meat getting here how you know what is the quality of that meat for you know you talk about like you are what you eat and i mean what are you putting into your body? And, you know, gosh, if you look at the standard American diet, it's just... It's awful. Yeah. And, and uh, we have a buddy, a friend and I, we're hanging out with a buddy recently. And, I mean, I get I geek out in all this stuff. And, um, but, you know, he's like, he's getting, he had some stressful stuff in his family. He's gained a bunch of weight. He's like, what do I, you know, what do I eat? And we were like, dude, let's just start with, like, what do you not eat? Mm-hmm. Like, let's focus on taking stuff out versus, like, even worrying about what we, we add in. But... Um, there's a big, big variance in not just the quality of taste, but the the quality of what you're putting in your body, the nutrients and the vitamins and minerals and things you're getting from real grass-fed beef that's you know been humanely treated. Like, right. it really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to hear you say that this is important and that people are getting together. I'll tell you that from my perspective we see more and more people going out to eat and not interacting because they have a device on the table. It is, uh. it has become norm in a restaurant that a phone get, gets on a stand or an iPad on a stand and there's a child at the table and that's what they do. And then the, oh, par- the kids just yeah, sitting there, the, the yeah, kids just watching a, a video or something. And then the parents are both on their phones doing stuff. 
and uh, we see that more and more. In fact, one of the the next unpopular idea that I have is um, we have we are about to launch. Uh, we have their six pack carriers like a, for beer, but we've branded them as cell phone jails. Yes, and they're going on the tables, and you're encouraged to put your phone in the six pack holder while you eat and not touch your phone. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I love that. It's kind of a social experiment. We'll see how well it goes. But we're, uh, we're trying to encourage people to interact. But this resonates with Sean and myself very much in that one of the other real concerns we have, though, is people are simply not going out to eat as much. And what, what has happened is the rise of these services that deliver your food for you. These are yeah. all those brands, DoorDash, Grubhub, what, what have you. And they're, yeah. they're changing the way we eat in America because... Yeah. They're essentially promising, well, if you really like Bull City Burger or Luna, we'll just bring the food to you and you don't and, and you don't have to get off your couch. Yeah. And you're simply not getting the same experience mm-hmm. as no. if you were to eat in a restaurant. No. And then it's hurting restaurants. We just they're they're not as full. They may be delivering as much food, but they look more empty. We don't get an opportunity to say, Hey, you liked that glass of wine, would you like another one? Or even sell that first glass of wine or a dessert or try this appetizer or get excited about a special. I gotta tell you about this new special, it's only for tonight. This this fish just came in off the coast. And you don't get that when you're on a website that you're just picking from a menu. Yeah. And I think it's really hurting the experience of going out to eat. Sean? Yeah. I just think that this there's there's a trend that um is not just in the restaurant industry, but everywhere, but with our industry, what seems to be happening is you have these new technologies and new services that are inserting themselves in between the customer mm-hmm. and the restaurant. And they tend to do so very slowly and, uh, and with very little impact at first. In other words, very little impact on chunk or the share of the revenues that they're taking from the restaurant industry and they do that um, until enough demand and enough uh, growth in their business takes hold to the point where the the customers are now grown accustomed to that service and then it almost becomes that they feel entitled to that service and then at that point uh, like Uber Eats and DoorDash then they start raising the percent of the revenues that they take from the restaurant. So most people that are ordering from these, these delivery apps, uh, you know, they get a delivery fee that they see and they think, oh, well, that's, that's the, the charge that I'm getting for, to pay for this convenience. Without any thought whatsoever or knowledge there uh, that, the, that Uber Eats is taking 30% of the, the restaurant sales. So just as an example, so we were looking at a, at an example of, of one of the delivery apps for uh, a nine dollar sandwich, and the what the consumer was going to pay was about fifteen dollars, and that was after their their fee for delivery, the tax, and the tip. And then because the delivery app was going to take thirty percent of our sales, we were going to see six dollars of it of the nine dollar sale. So the, the consumer's paying $15, and the restaurant owner's getting $6. I mean, something is truly amiss there when you have this company that has now inserted itself in between us and is taking nearly two-thirds of the, of the I revenue. Pr- yeah. I really under- I mean, wow, 
that's interesting. I mean, to me, it's one thing to get, I don't know, whatever, like, you know, your pizza chain pizza delivered to your house or whatever on Friday night for the kids or something. But, I, like, the food y'all cook in places like both of yours is not yeah. – it can't, it can't. I mean, how can it transfer from here in a car? It doesn't. I mean, and then be as we didn't create menu items thinking they go in a box. Right. You know. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. but that's that's Domino's, Papa John's. That's their business model. Mm-hmm. Is they Absolutely. create their food 100%. knowing yeah. it goes in a box and they control that delivery process. Yeah. And that's their business model. But yeah. when I created my business plan, I didn't have line items for. And food goes in a box, and another service is delivering it and taking revenue from that. You but know? you feel like you have to use these these services? I, I don't. You don't? We kick them out. Okay. We, we also have, just, we've chosen not to, and then sometimes they'll just I show think, up. I think in DoorDash, yeah, they just showed up and started, you know, we started getting calls. And we're like, what's going on? We, this, uh, we didn't sign up for this. And then we just found out that they had gone online and yeah. somehow teamed up with Google that... You know, there's a link that says, hey, order this for delivery underneath you know, when you Google Luna. And these then- are such ridiculous tactics. And all these, man, I'm going to try to keep myself on. Under- are we allowed to cuss? <laughs> Fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> right. um, for consumers, if you're listening, I mean, they're not, they're not doing that. Like what you all do, you, the reason I ask what you do, like you love what you do. You you are here in your community. You are giving time, energy, passion, commitment to your community here in Durham, here in the Triangle. Um, you are making ten cents on the dollar. If you like, you know, those companies are just—they're massively funded. All that is is a bit to you know make a few people make a lot of money. I mean, and and that's fine if you know. Basically, their whole objective is to go public and sell stock to a bunch of suckers and right. cash out. And right. it's not about like how do we make life better and more meaningful and warmer and um, for for consumers for people. Um, yeah. it, that's what y'all are doing. I mean, when you come in here and you sit down and you have an authentically warm, hospitable experience with thoughtful, intentional food and people that are taking care of you and pouring your water and bringing your food and cooking your food that that love what they do i mean that's a that's a very valuable experience and and maybe you know well just that's what needs to happen we need to raise the awareness of people i don't think many people we would sit down and have that conversation with would would disagree with that but we get so dialed into just you know, having things easy and quick and fast. So you start, oh, yeah, I'll just get lunar rotisserie delivered to my, do-, you know, and you're not even thinking about the fact that well, it's, it's not really as good now. And right. all I'm doing is doing that so I can sit here and stare at my screen. And right, right. Like, watch Netflix. <laughs> Netflix and yeah, chill. Need my empanadas. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to address what some of the, you know, what the delivery app companies would say is that, oh, well, we're bringing in more revenue for you, right? Like we're, 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 you were doing, you know, this many covers before us, but now with this new technology, you know, we're a benefit to your company because now you have this many more people that are, that are ordering food for takeout that gets delivered. But the reality is all the, uh, the consultants and the data are pointing to that what's happening is more of a substitution effect that Seth touched on before. It's not extra revenue. It's not extra sales. It's people that normally would have come down from their office and walked over to Lunar or Bull City Burger and had lunch, but instead they're having it delivered 
to their desk. Well, you're also not a <laughs> you're not a technology business that's funded and makes no profit and increasing revenue is all that matters right. because you're going to sell out like if you increase your revenue but you're losing profit that mm-hmm. doesn't benefit the local business that that doesn't make that doesn't make any yeah. sense i mean yeah. even if you were still having people i mean you know the additional revenue at a lost profit when you are starting to train people mm-hmm. that's i mean that's even my epic i think for them isn't it because all of a sudden if all these you know, death by a thousand cut services put restaurants out of business, then whose food are they going to deliver? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the chains. I mean, because even right now, yeah. I think the latest I heard was that Uber Eats had decided to negotiate with McDonald's that instead of the 30% of revenues cut that they take out of a restaurant like Seth's or, or mine, they've negotiated down to 20% for them now. So eventually what's going to happen is you'll just be able to get McDonald's delivered to you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, or other similar types of food. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so there's four of them now, right? Four delivery services or whatever. Uh, probably the, the largest ones. Uber, yeah. DoorDash, Grubhub. Is it Postmate? Is that Postmates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're a tough one to deal with. Getting, fighting them to get off. I mean, they take your logo menu, you know, like everything, and then they sell that, you know. And they sell that, and, and the then consumer with an order, and, you know. and then and then you have a consumer who's like, "What the hell?" Right. Why, you know? And you have to. That's a bad experience for them. That reflects somehow on you when you, right? In their mind. Yeah. Mm. Our 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 pizza restaurant, Pompieri Pizza. We do Neapolitan pizza, so it's it was never intended to go in a box. Like the Italians don't put that in a box and go 45 minutes go deliver it it's turned soggy you know that kind of thing but postmates and those guys show up all the time and they're like yeah we want to place an order to go and you see their shirt and you got to argue with them like i don't want you to take this pizza i don't want you to place this order because the customer's going to get a bad pizza and then they don't think of it as oh that's because i ordered it through a delivery service and it took 30 minutes to get here they mm. think that's a bad pizza mm-hmm. it's soggy had yeah. nothing, you know, if you had it in the restaurant, totally different experience. I mean, do you, so you're not using them now. You're, not, I mean, are, are more don't. and more people that y'all interact with that own restaurants starting to move away from that? I don't know. I, don't. I think the. Uh, I know, I have a few friends that own restaurants on the West Coast, and it seems to have really taken hold out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine has a place in Portland, Oregon. He says right now at least 10% of his sales are going through these delivery apps. And, um, and he just doesn't really know what to do at this point because mm. if, he, if he stops, then he's going to take an immediate hit now of 10% less revenue. Yeah. And that's what I was touching on before is that it was sort of a slow building of, of this until, the, until he got to the point where he didn't see it coming. And, and now... It, that kind of got him by the short hairs and he's not really able to, to, to back out at this point without taking a serious hit to his revenue. And, and then, and then the reality is, is that, and, and this is what it, I think where educating the consumer comes in, you know, if he stops, they're just going to go somewhere else and, and, and order it from, from some other place that, uh, that's using these delivery apps. But I think that it's just as, as much as it's, uh, 
I mean, this is a big problem just in, in the restaurant industry in general. I think there, there needs to be more transparency. There, there needs to be more education of the public as to what uh, the expenses are that, that we have. What are the differences between, um, you know, a restaurant that, uh, like Seth's or ours, that has adopted a series of different practices that are sustainable and, and one that's not. And there's a big difference between, people can see, most people can see the difference between Bull City Burger and McDonald's, right? Yeah, the food, yeah. Right, yeah. the food and, and the quality, it, it, it's all there, but there are other places that are serving more similar food to what Bull City Burger is uh, and what Luna is serving, um, where the differences aren't so right. clear in terms of the quality of the product. So. You know, you can't really tell if um, the chicken has been antibiotic-free or not when mm -hmm. you're tasting it, you know. You can't really tell, uh, at least immediately, uh, whether or not the, the guy who cooked it was paid minimum wage or living wage. And these are huge differences uh, in terms of costs. Um, I'm getting off topic from the delivery apps, but... Um, but it's just, I think that most people, when I tell them, hey, you know, you realize that when you order DoorDash or Uber Eats that they're taking 30%, a third of, the, of, the, of what we're charging, they're taking that for themselves. And you're paying a service fee on top of it. And, uh, and over time, it, if, if more people were to adopt this, you know, to choose to do that instead of coming out to eat or just going and picking it up themselves, mm -hmm. Um, you're just not going to have restaurants like ours. It's just, it's not, it's not sustainable. You know, I try to think of any action that mm -hmm. I make or someone else makes and think about, okay, well, what happens if, what's the outcome if everyone were to adopt that practice? Right. And I think about that with delivery apps and I know what would happen. Seth and I wouldn't have restaurants <laughs> anymore. Right. And, and, and there's, and you already see, a changing trend. There was a, an article in the New York Times recently about um, these these ghost kitchens. Have you heard about these? Yeah, no, I was just gonna bring it up. Go ahead. No, no. You can. Well, I, I, you, it was fresh in your mind, so I, I don't remember well, all the details. But well, I wanted to just go back and touch on you were saying about you know a lot of these services. The way they always start is, hey, try it for free for thirty days, uh -huh, or yeah. try you know, and they sure. and it is. It's it's an old business model that certainly works. Uh, I'm sorry to make this analogy. I don't mean to be cruel, but look, drug dealers say, hey, first viewer on me kind of mm -hmm. thing. That's right? how they get people addicted on crack. And yeah. once you're hooked. No doubt about it. Yeah. So these kind of delivery companies are doing a similar model, which yeah. they're not alone. A lot of businesses do that. But it's sort of like, hey, I'm using this. It's really great. And they say, okay, now it's $10 a month. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, can I do without it? Well, all right, I'll pony up for it. So you get used to getting your food delivered and... You just sort of go, well, I'll just keep going, you know, doing that. And then businesses go out. I had um, a thing recently where, you know, one of our things, I, I don't know if we're going to touch on today or not, is uh, credit card fees. But Oh, yeah. We should you know that the thing is always about, well, just raise your prices. So I, I would say to these folks, look, if you want to order DoorDash or Uber Eats with me, how about I raise my prices 30% to cover the money they're going to take? And I think most people would say, hell no, you're not going to say, well, it's a cost of doing business, just like credit cards. You tell me to raise my rates just to cover credit card fees. How about I just raise them to cover the dining services, too, the 
the delivery services. So anyway, but but what you were saying, uh, the ghost kitchen. Could you stuff. do that though? Could you say like for all Uber Eats orders, you know, sh- no problem. But it's it's my restaurant. Why not? Four bucks extra or whatever. Yeah, if you want to order in here, I'm going to raise thirty yeah. percent because that's what you're taking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't know if you can, but screw them, <laughs> we'll do it. So these ghost kitchens. I mean, it's really fascinating that in a way, as Sean was saying, we're we may lose a lot of restaurants from this stuff. So people have started to basically find the worst part of town where the rent is cheapest, set up a commissary style kitchen mm-hmm. and run four different menus out of it. Yeah. That's all being microwaved. I mean, the, the food delivery companies today, the, uh, the vendors, you know, you can buy really nice frozen stuff, or at least it looks nice to the people. Yeah. And you know, you suddenly have your mozzarella sticks and you got all that and you create this Italian restaurant name. And, and in the same space, DoorDash and Uber Eats, they're pulling up into this warehouse and delivering from four different restaurants that are all coming out of the same kitchen that don't actually exist. They're just ghosts that are making food. Yeah, they don't have a dining room. It's just, yeah. a, and, and then there, there's another model, and I'm not, it's not called a ghost kitchen, but it's, it's one where, where, like, for example, if we here at Luna decided, um, hey, you know, we're going to take advantage of, you know, trying to cater more to these delivering services and we're going to also cook pizza out of our uh, out of our kitchen here so you have a restaurant that because so that already has a dining room and they're serving you know what we, we serve south american fusion cuisine but then we're also going to create a separate menu and we're going to post that on uber eats or doordash with a menu that serves you know pizza and spaghetti and garlic bread or whatever and mm-hmm. It's just, it's interesting to see how hmm. you can already see what would happen were there to be widespread adoption of these technologies. You would just basically have, like Seth said, these commissaries and more and more entrepreneurs like, like us might decide, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to have a restaurant with a dining room. I'm just going to build out a kitchen and right. I'm just going to solely cater to these uh, these delivery apps. Yeah. Um, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. That's not a that's not a, a restaurant community that I want to be operating in. Mm-mm. Uh, Mm-mm. How do we educate the consumer about this? I mean, we're doing it here, but I mean, how do we podcasts? <laughs> I mean, we. It's I mean, a, it's a subtle thing, you know. We my thing is grass fed beef, no hormone, no antibiotic. But I know I can't be preachy because most people don't eat that. And if you start insulting like, oh, you eat this meat all the time, you're such a bad person, it turns them off to it. So we have to do it in a very subtle way all the time, sort of raising awareness. Yeah. 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 We we, we like our convenience. And and I think oftentimes the consumer wants to ignore any of the bad news about some of the things that they like to to eat and the things sure. that they like to consume. That makes things inconvenient. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, uh, the, the, the mantra that, so I do food tours every week and uh, the latest thing I've been really touching on is talking about how we grew up hearing the expression, you can't have good, fast, and cheap. And what's popping up right now are restaurants that are claiming they can give you good, fast, and cheap. And these are like the Be Good and Panera and Chipotle and all saying basically that they're, they're, they're framing their food as really healthy. And this is what Sean was touching on is sort of, 
you know, that you go in and there's beautiful photos on the walls that are giant, right. eight foot tall photos of farmers and fields and lettuce growing. And you think, oh, man, look at this place. Everything's so fresh and the colors are vibrant. And, yeah. and they tell you, we have organic lettuce. And you think, man, I have found it. The Holy Grail here, this is good food. And then they tell you, so just go on your phone and order or over there to the kiosk and order your food yourself. And you think, wow, this is, I can do this so fast. It's like self-checkout. It's great. And they call your name 45 seconds later and your food is ready. And they tell you, you know, lunch is six ninety nine. And you think, I have found it. I have won. I have found good, fast, and cheap. But it ain't true. We yeah. know it's not true, but we sure like to hear that. Yeah. And it's a real concern. Yeah. You don't know the meat that you're getting there. But they showed, sort of frame it like, oh, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like saying a, a carrot is fat-free. Well, you know, there's no gluten in your carrots today. Thank you. There's never been gluten in my carrots. But they will market stuff like that, right? <laughs> right. Fat-free carrots, gluten-free carrots. Yeah. Yeah, this is where I think there, there needs so to be... So this is truth in... There needs to be some, it, are some they, sort of truth in menu or... or I don't know what you want to call it, but it's almost as though there needs to be either some sort of third-party certification like organic or free trade that applies to... Um, you know, sustainable restaurants might be one thing that we could do about it. But, but there's so many things that just don't mean anything when people are describing food. Just as an example, there's another restaurant around here locally that does rotisserie chicken, just like we do. And they advertise the chicken as being, uh, what is it? Hormone free, which is a lie because chickens have hormones. All animals do. Right. Right. And it's also, <laughs> it's also already illegal to add extra hormones to chicken, so it's a meaningless statement. Yeah. They say it's all natural. I don't know what that means. Right. Natural is no definition. No definition, yeah. uh, unless it you know, came from some other planet, I guess. So this is clever wordplay that tricks the consumer. Yeah, the other one that they say is um, free of all allergens. Wow. Chicken is free of allergens. And, and finally, local. Well, there's a Tyson chicken processing facility just over the border in South Carolina wow. that's within 100 miles of here, so that qualifies as local as well. So the, the uneducated consumer reads that and says, oh, well, this is a sustainable product. Well, no, it's, it's Tyson chicken. Right. <laughs> wow. and, and so, you know, what, what does matter is, um, you know, is it, you know, is it free range? Is it antibiotic free? Is it, you know, and there are lots of other different parts of that are that do mean things but i think you know and, and we're living in a world where people are just inundated with information they just don't yeah. have time to to educate themselves about these things but they're they're really really important and they're important distinctions to make because i've heard you know on numerous occasions both um overheard as well as read online in comments that why is luna's chicken you know what, whatever we're charging 12.50 for a quarter white when this other places I can get it right there for eight seventy five. They taste the same. Well, there's a lot of reasons. One, I can tell you right now, I'm paying about 35, 40% more per pound for the chicken because we feel it's really important to have antibiotic free chicken. Uh, I can tell you that we pay a living wage. We're Durham living wage certified. I can tell you that we offer healthcare benefits. We use compostable to go materials and, you know, on and on and on. And, and you know, each of those things, just compostable to go materials alone are 300% higher cost than if we were to do styrofoam or, or something else, you know? Um, 
How do so, you, how do you advertise this stuff, Sean? I mean, is those are those kinds of things on your website? Do you? We do have it on the website. We have it on the on the back of the menu okay. as well. Our, our sustainability commitments. Um, I agree with Seth. You can't be preachy, but people yeah. need to know. I mean, right. yeah, it's one of the, it's one of these things where I, I try not to mix things that are too heavy with something with an with an experience that I want to be light yeah. and, and pleasant and convivial, and I don't want to bring people down um, by making them feel bad about their choices. Uh, well, so, so you're right. You don't, you don't want to hit people over the head with these with these heavy things when they're just there to have a good time. You want them to come back and, and not feel guilty about other decisions to make. We, we need we need more turtles being hurt by styrofoam things in order to to make a difference. Because I'm joking, of course. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we were the first restaurant to go straw free, and okay. then we launched this movement about going strawless, and it became a thing. The first restaurant in Durham, I should say. Um, anyway, people hated it. Right. At first, we were the evil. We were horrible people. How could you not have straws? You know, like, how am I going to drink my beer without a straw kind of thing? Like, are you kidding me? And uh, and then this turtle thing happened and everybody was sort of save the turtles and being strawless is cool. And and now everybody's going strawless and that's like way cooler. Yeah. So we need we need things like that, because those of us who are doing this, we don't want to be preachy. We don't want to lose customers because we made them feel bad. So we need big national headlines to point this stuff out to help us yeah I, yeah the turtle I mean the images are powerful right they paint a really compelling picture and a memorable one we all seen pictures of the beaches and other countries oh, yeah. that are just literally trash and, and that doesn't seem to do it for people but the turtle gets a straw in its nose and the world changes you what know, did uh, Stalin say it was like a million deaths are a statistic one death is a tragedy mm-hmm. and that's what you're talking it's that same concept like that one image of that one turtle because you can't comprehend you can't comprehend a million deaths that was the whole point about yeah. that like you can't comprehend all that all that stuff's just too much and you just kind of go ah I don't know what all this. Yeah. that's overwhelming right. but the turtle with the straw it's very simple yep. it's very memorable pulls at your heart you go, okay, do I really need the damn straw to drink my beer? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I just thought of that, uh, an idea I had to kind of get it out, get information out there and, and make people more aware of which restaurants are adopting some of these practices and which aren't, uh, would be to include it in restaurant reviews. Right? And so uh, I actually wrote both the ND Weekly and I wrote Greg Cox at the NNO and said, hey, you know, you guys have this platform that's reaching out to a larger three-city metropolitan area, about two million people. Yeah. Highly educated in this area. I think, what, like 47% have a graduate degree in the, in the Triangle, something like so that. Highest concentration of PhDs and yeah. MDs in the country. Or yeah. Something. Wow. Yeah. So gen- generally, people who, who have an interest in these things and want to make sustainable choices, they want to be educated. Uh, and I said, look, you know... Um, you have this platform reaching out to these people and a great opportunity to, to inform, to educate people on these things. You have two categories right now for, for a restaurant, food and service, and you get five stars, up to five stars for, mm-hmm. for each of those categories. Why not incorporate one that's also sustainability? And, and you have maybe four or five prongs that you evaluate or rate a restaurant on to, that, that kind of weighs into that, mm-hmm. those five stars. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, 
local sourcing, antibiotic-free meats, living wage certified, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I just thought that would be a real simple way because lots of people like reading restaurant reviews and, and it's just, it could be right there. The, f- the first thing that you see when you read a restaurant review is you start off by reading, you know, the stars and, and, uh, and that would just be a real simple way to, to make people start thinking about it, to, to help define what it means to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then also then an incentive, you know, that sends a market signal to restaurants say like oh hey wait i don't just have to focus on the quality of the food and the quality of the service i also have to focus on this other very very important factor that's going to minimize you know the negative externalities that i'm putting out into the into the world mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. did I they did, respond n- neither of them responded yeah. i even followed up with the second it, one it's a great idea but they're not going to go near it I mean, how, yeah. do you, how do you quantify that qualify it well, I think you start by t- starting the conversation, and, yeah. and then it could be a year of developing what the system is and getting it yeah. to the point where it makes sense. But uh, the first thing they have to do is talk about it. Right. The uh, there's a there's a bus company around. They do uh, mm. you can rent their buses. Have you seen them? They're black and they green something on the side of the bus. And they're I haven't seen like, it. yeah. So um, I saw them driving around. They've been in the, in the area for a while now, and I called them one day. I was kind of excited. I said so. You're, you're pitching yourselves as this green company and I'm thinking they're going to tell me oh we're in a biodiesel we've got electric fields mm-hmm. the hybrid and all this and I said so what are you what are you doing you know for to be sustainable and all and he said well we transport a lot of people on a bus so we're, there's not as many cars <laughs> and, but the name I can't remember the brand but it was like you know green green environment bus or something like that and I was like wait, you don't do, they're just regular gas buses? And he said, yeah. And he said, but look, we're, when we take a whole bunch of people to a game, to like a football game at Duke, then we're, we're keeping cars off the road. Mm. And I just was like, okay, thanks. Wow. Hung up. <laughs> so those are the things you deal with, right? If we're trying to, like, what, what makes a restaurant more sustainable? I mean, you have to take some things at the restaurateur's word. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's always questionable. Yeah. If they're, serving you know different fish as, instead of scallops yeah well maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a a, a, thir- a third party certification type thing yeah get audited Where, yeah and, and, the, and they're the ones that assign the, the stars and then yeah. that's something that then the the food reviewers could just simply reference before writing the review right. people need I'll tell you one thing when you do like what you're talking about you know and you're serving Tyson chicken and saying it's local because it's within a hundred miles and stuff like that. You are in an educated community. That stuff comes back on you eventually. I, I think, I hope, I mean, once people, if people find out that you're tricking them, you're, you're done. Um, I mean, people don't like to be hoodwinked and fooled. And you know, when you're, when you're making those types of claims and then people, word starts to spread amongst educated people like yeah but that's that's actually tyson chicken and it's you know that's a problem so it's a it's a risky strategy i think mm-hmm. maybe the cynic in me is thinking about all those people that are that support lgbtq rights but still eat at chick-fil-a okay you know i mean that yeah it's, it's i'm just gonna ignore it and i think about it their chicken's right. damn good and right and I only eat there once every other month or so. So I'm not really causing that much harm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Devil's advocate. Yeah, but 
Chick-fil-A is clear. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I'm talking about like, like they are who they are. They, you know, right. Versus trying to fool people. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's fair. When you feel, when you find out you've, you've been fooled, you get pissed. I mean, that's how they got kids to stop smoking, right? It used to be like, you're going to get cancer, all this stuff, and it didn't work, and the ad council went in, those MTV ads, 20 years ago, whatever it was, they're like, you know, they're just tricking you. Like, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, they're telling you that it's cool, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make it look cool, and all these fat cats are profiting off of you like you're being tricked ha 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 mm-hmm. and the kids are like screw that we're not going to smoke then like I'm not going to make some other some greedy dude rich you know when he's yeah he is trying to make yeah forget that that's what they did you know they, yeah. they help people realize they're being tricked which is what y'all need to figure out a way we need to figure out a way to do is let people know if you care about this stuff and you know if yeah. you're buying into this out was allergen <laughs> whatever it was like you're being tricked <laughs> like yeah yeah that's interesting uh okay what 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 about the um one of the things that i found to be really fascinating is uh, if y'all want to go there is and i know we want to talk about credit card fees but also this whole thing with these um weightless services and d- yeah, yeah, I can, I can speak to that. I mean, it's that sort of the same thing with the deli- I mean, it's like they get people hooked on it. Right. Now they got you. Mm-hmm. Now they can put your thumb on, they can put their thumb on you and start jacking up your your fees. But they do their fees. restaurant. We do a free trial at ScheduleFly. Like, yeah. hey, try it free. If you like it, start paying. And then right. that's a free thing. Of course, in 12 years, we've never changed our, I mean, we've never changed our prices in 12 years. But, because uh, that's not what we're, it's not what we're about. But. It's an easy model. You can raise prices to a point where people start going, never mind, it's not worth it. They're trying to figure that out, I guess. So you were paying 50 now you're paying 150 Like, Yeah, so you know. what happened with us is we, uh, when we first opened, we, we uh, signed up for a, a program that helps us seat the dining room. It's called No Wait. And um, what it does, it, it, you know, just, it, it, tells, it works on an iPad, and then the host is able to just manage the floor plan and see what time they sat each table and give them a chance to estimate what the weight's going to be when someone else comes in and we're, and we're, we have a full restaurant. And uh, so then about, I don't know, maybe six months to a year ago, they added a new feature that allowed people to, to get into the, the weight, get into the queue virtually. So that they're at their office and they're 15 minutes away or they're in their car. They're able to actually get onto our our wait list that the host or hostess is using to, to seat the restaurant. And it, it just, so if we're on a 20 minute wait and they're 15 minutes out, well, they've saved themselves five minutes or maybe even they, they, they can walk right in and have a seat, uh, go straight to a table. Um, sounds great, right? Well, it's awful. <laughs> and we wanted nothing to do with it because it, it creates lots of problems. Um, just for example, you know, if we are on a 20 minute wait and the host has just told a party of four, hey, it's going to be 20 minutes. Stand right over there, have a, have a seat, and, and we'll let you know when the table's ready. And then another party of four comes in, and they had gone on virtually to get into the queue. And the host says, oh, yeah, come right this way. Your table's ready. Uh, never mind that the table that they just, we just told, you know, it's going to be a 20-minute wait, has seen that there's an open table waiting 
with no one sitting there right. and uh which raises all sorts of questions on their end but now they've just watched this this, this party four walk right past them and get put right. get sat so the perception it's just the perception is awful and yeah. it creates all sorts of conflicts and and um and this was a feature they added without yeah, they just added it without really asking us about it. You did, it's not something you could turn on or turn off. We could, we, we, we did turn it off, and, then, did, we, okay. and then we had lots of complaints online about that. Oh, that, that, that we, we we turned it off. And so this is a great example again of, of that mental exercise of okay, so what happens if everyone decides to adopt the practice of going online virtually to get into the queue? Well, we're right back where we started from, right? So now <laughs> instead of everyone arriving, still waiting. Yeah, everyone's still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just kind of crazy. But they're they're getting consumers. They're help. They're causing a change of behavior from consumers and getting them addicted to it or whatever you want to call it um, from outside the restaurant. But then yeah. sort of almost forcing that behavior on the restaurant or forcing them to make a choice. Right, and then and then it's and then it's a predatory it's a predatory pricing behavior that takes place after that. So from the day one that we had that we we started the program. Uh, the monthly rate was $59 a month to use the program. And then about a month ago, maybe even a little less, whenever I forwarded that email to you, Will, that, that yeah. kind of brought, your, brought it to your attention, um, they notified us that... So I'm missing a key part of the, the story. About a year ago, I think, more or less, Yelp bought No Weight yeah. uh, for like $40 million cash deal. It's done. Yeah. And, um, and so... Then about a month ago, that they notified us that yeah, you know we've added these new features that you know add a ton of value to the program, uh, mind you, value that we don't want, um, and so we're, we're going to change the pricing now to reflect that value. Good news is you're an existing customer, so uh, we're going to give you the, a deal at $180 a month is what we're going to be charging you. So they tripled the price, and and. Uh, and so, whereas we had, we, whereas we had, you know, we, we had kind of said out of the get-go that, that we didn't want this service, I'm sure that there are lots of other restaurants out there, enough that gave Yelp the confidence to be able to have this massive increase in, in uh, the fee. There's enough restaurants out there that have adopted it, and their customers have grown accustomed to that new service that they can't back out of it now because they, they'll, they'll see a, a backlash online for it. They'll see people that are just, you know, on, on principle saying, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to some other restaurant that has the, the no wait option where I can get on online and get in the queue. So when you say backlash online, is that backlash on reviews online? Like, yeah. like for instance, on Yelp reviews? Yep. So is there an opportunity to answer to those, though, to, to go in and say, look, here's, I mean, transparency. Yeah, we stopped. It could be a full Let me tell you job. why. Okay, because you just get so much. It could be. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I just have to stop looking at them, and I, and I have some of the managers monitor those things for trends. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want them wasting their time responding to people and things like that. I'd rather just avoid it in the first place. But if you, is that, it, is that a way to educate people, though, mm. Like, you know, to go, everybody's like, oh, they stopped using it. Okay, yes, we did. Let, let, I mean, you could almost have a template every time you had just yeah, a little boilerplate, yeah. cut and pay. Like, here's why we did. Here's what happened. We used to pay fifty. Now it's one fifty. We saw people coming in. You know, do you, do you? You know, you don't want to be the person that's waiting in line that doesn't use this. That gets you know has somebody walk right 
right by you. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting. What you do is you charge five dollars every time someone wants to use the no weight feature. <laughs> you can have the service; you just got to pay for it. Yeah, we don't like that though, right? People, people don't like the, I- the don't itemized. Like it. Right, we want it all free. Yeah, just just include it in the cost of your food. It's it's interesting. I've been trying to think how this new model is is different. The, the model where where whereas these. It's, it's oftentimes tech companies that are inserting themselves into the industry and, 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 and capturing uh, a significant share of the, of the customer base. It's, it's not a monopoly by, by traditional de- definition, but it, it, it is, I mean, this is a great, I think, segue into credit card um, be- behavior and, and fees because that is a monopoly on, on payment system. You know, can you imagine if the U.S. Treasury charged businesses 3% for accepting dollar bills. It would <laughs> yeah, right. be crazy, but that's basically what's, what's happened is these Wall, billion-dollar Wall Street banks are mm. charging us you know, 3% of all of our sales just for accepting a, pay, a type more of payment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, more than that. Sorry. I don't know if you want to jump on that one, Seth. But mm. Oh, boy. Did you hear that can <laughs> open just now? <laughs> well, we're all addicted now? to credit cards. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's... That, talk about that you don't even again, look, once again you don't think about it we'll give you zero percent for the first six months we'll give you five thousand bonus miles all that everything they can to try to get you to use a credit card get yeah. you hooked you know in, in in passing laws and in the in the, the documentation you sign if you're going to be a merchant that you can't put a minimum on what someone can someone can charge 10 cent stick of gum if they want you can't say no when you when you see those signs in convenience stores says five dollar minimum on a credit card you can't legally enforce that. Like you as a customer could go, no, I'm charging this, this chicken. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. You have, if you accept credit cards, you have to accept them. Okay. So it's, if you yeah. accept, so you can, you could say I'm not accepting credit cards, but then of course you're, you're, well, you're then done. People are hooked on them. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, so mm. it's a big deal. So, you know, for a long time, the credit card burden started out, it was on the, the user. So you paid the annual fee, you had these things, right? And the credit cards realized very quickly that this was a deterrent to using a credit card because yeah. you didn't want to pay for using a credit card. And they said, aha, let's switch the burden from the consumer to the merchant. Right. And that's when everything started changing. And then it became so competitive. There's so much money involved in this. They had to find ways to get you to use your, their credit card more than the other guy's credit card. Mm. And so frequent flyer miles and bonus points and cash back and all of that. Yeah. And so they have created over decades, uh, it's a drug, and now we are so used to it that credit cards have to be accepted everywhere. And you, I'm earning, look, I'm earning frequent flyer miles. I'm going to go to Europe for free in 10 years. I'm going to have a free hotel room. I'm going to get a discount on my rental car. I mean, all of these things, right? And no one stopped to think, well, who's paying for that? It's not that the credit card companies are these benevolent people who say, <laughs> I just want to give you a free hotel room. We're going to pay for that. Yeah. It's the merchant. And that's one of those hidden things that people out there don't understand. Every time they swipe a credit card, someone's paying for that. Yeah. And the only way that we can pay for it is to have it buried in the cost. So if you're a cash person, you actually are paying more for your goods, food, whatever you're buying because of credit cards. Can you give a cash discount? You can. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And, uh, and essentially that's what we're doing now, except we look at it in reverse, trying to raise awareness, which is probably not the best way to do it, but it's the best way to raise awareness. Because if you come in and you say, it's $11 for your burger today with fries and a drink, um, but we could do a 3% cash discount, and people, oh, that's nice, and, and they look at it and they say, that's all right, here's my credit card. You know, 3% isn't really gonna motivate you to use cash. We do it in the opposite. We say it's $11, and if you want to use credit card, we're going to add 3%. So we start with the cash discount, basically. Mm -hmm. And it pisses people off. Right? Yeah, yeah, I bet it does. Um, so we've been doing this. It's coming up on a year. And in the beginning, there was a lot of a disgruntled kind of thing. But I think a lot of businesses are adopting this. I mean, if you go review, renew your registration at the DMV, you do it online, it says right there, 3% credit card processing fee, right? Every one of my vendors, yes. if I want to charge, the plumber has to come. He says, here's the bill. And it says right at the bottom, if you're going to pay this by credit card, add 3%. Yeah. And they do that if you're doing it with your house or, you know, any of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so food is one of the last sort of, you know, untouchable. You can't do that. But it's changing. There's a lot of folks starting to say, look, we can't. It's no longer the cost of doing business. It's no longer affordable. So... In, in 2018, we paid $186,000 in credit card fees. That's a lot of money. Yeah. To me, that's not just a cost of doing business. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to show for it. They have created a demand that you must use your credit card in order when you go out. Yeah. And then they take the money for that. Yeah. And the state, I have to still pay my sales tax. And they don't. the state doesn't say, look, we know you paid five to six percent in credit card fees when you collected that tax it's okay just pay us what was left over no we got to mm -hmm. give them the, the the state tax but we didn't get the whole state tax because the credit card company took it and when we charge you ten dollars we don't get ten dollars right we're getting ten dollars minus five percent and and so all of that is a real real take from restaurants people don't realize it's happening there's a, there's a term I've heard uh, that we people, we are moist robots. Mm -hmm. We're programmable. And these companies, they get that, right? At the highest levels, the executives, they understand that they understand decision psychology really well. They understand how and why we make decisions. They understand how and why we get addicted to things. And that would be a behavioral addiction or a literal you know substance addiction meaning that you create these you know processed foods that you know the science understands the chemistry of the brain and why that makes you want that thing more and uh this education is what look again it's it's the whole they're tricking you thing like i tell my kids this i'm like every when you make decisions on things like sure eat that candy but like you know, just just remember every time you're eating that, you're you're uh, you're giving money to the greedy old dude. And they're like, who's the greedy old dude? <laughs> the greedy old dude is the guy that figured out that if he could make this really cheap and manipulate you so that you really would, when you put it in your mouth, you're going to want more. He he wants your money, so you're giving him your money, and he knows that you're going to keep giving him your money. I mean, it's just stupid image I create for him, but it's true though. It's like they're that's what they're doing. They're they're mm -hmm. they're tricking us. Yeah. They're they're profiting from being able to program people and a small number of people get that and they go oh, 
yeah, we'll get them addicted to credit cards. Right. And, and they know. It's what they're, I mean, it's literally what they're doing. It's not like a, it's a, it's a unintentional thing. It's right. very deliberate. Addicted to sugar. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and with the credit card companies, I mean, and let's just call them what they are. I mean, they're, they're Wall Street banks. Yeah. And this is one of my core problems with it in that, is that I don't have a sustainable option. Like I have a sustainable option of where I can source my meat. Yeah. I have a sustainable option of where I can source my to-go containers and where I can source our, our produce and I can make a, a sustainable decision to pay my employees what I what they should be paid. But I don't have a sustainable credit card processor mm. who isn't lobbying lawmakers to mm. destabilize our economy. I mean, I encourage people to go out and, and listen to some of the research that Matt Taibbi's done in the past on, on Wall Street prior to the the the, uh, the housing crisis and the, and the Great Recession and, and right now things are basically right where they were yep. in, in 2007 and so is he I, the one that called Goldman Sachs the vampire octopus he may, he's, he's a Rolling Stone yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah I know who he, yeah he um, writes good stuff yeah he's solid um, but the industry is is doing as much as they can to obscure what the consumer knows about it so much so that they've actually lobbied 11 different states to make it illegal for an independent business like ours to assign the fee that Seth is at his restaurants. And, you know, one of the, the core... 11 states, that's illegal? It is illegal. Like, we do not have the freedom to charge a credit card fee for people using a credit card. In 11 states and, and growing, I'm sure. That I don't know, but you know, one of the core requisites for a, a free market is transparency and no asymmetrical knowledge between the consumer mm. and, and the seller, right? And that's where the roots of let the buyer beware come from. And, yeah. and, uh, and so here you have uh, lawmakers making laws that are intentionally create asymmetrical knowledge between, you know, between the industry and the consumer. And, uh, and what that means is that most people don't realize, you know, yes, we pack that into our prices, which is just another way of saying that um, the convenience that the consumer is getting, because this is something that is, you know, um, lawmakers are saying that we're defending the freedom of consumers to have choice to be able to use cash or credit card. That's what, how they justify these laws. But the convenience that people are getting comes with the cost they don't realize that they're just paying these wall street banks for the, for that convenience. And, you know, I was having a conversation with my father-in-law the other night about it. And I said, you know, how much do you spend on average on your credit cards each month? And he's like, I don't know, probably $3,000 a month. So, okay. So quick, easy math, that gives up $36,000 a year at, you know, three, three and a half percent. It's a thousand dollars a year. You are paying them, these big banks, $1,000 a year for that convenience. And, uh, and, but most people don't look at it that way because the industry, the, the, you know, the Wall Street industry has gone through great efforts to make sure that people aren't looking at it that way. Um, mm-hmm. How do you... That's amazing to me. Illegal to charge extra? Like, what? I don't get that. Because you're, you're it's a deterrent to using credit cards. Right? They don't want us to take cash. 
in 2017. I know, but how can you possibly get away with doing that? Like, I mean, yeah. lobby, yeah, money. God, the, the bank, the banks, the, their 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 credit card fees in 2017. An article I read was 44 billion dollars. That's not like what was charged on credit cards. That's just those well, they fees. Made fees. They, yeah. they made them fees from merchants. Yeah, and so you kind of say, if there's that much money at stake boy, they are going to fight to keep it. Mm-hmm. And what, what really stinks is that other countries have jumped way right over credit cards and gone to new payment methods and, and way to exchange money between people that's totally digital and, and more transparent and much, much lower fees, pennies rather than you know hundreds of dollars on big fees. And, and I just, I would love to welcome that here in the U.S. Where, what, like, what's an know, example of that, sir? Well, like in, in China is mm-hmm. one of the, the big ones right now that they have some in, incredible technologies that they're using to pay phone to phone and phone to a business and completely you know, leap, leapfrogged the whole, the whole industry. They went from, you know, there's a great um, Future of Everything podcast from the Wall Street Journal that, that touches on it where mm-hmm. they went from, yeah, cash yeah, yeah, and then five years later. No one has cash, right. and it's Alibaba Pay. I think has one, and there's one other com- main competitor. But yeah, it's uh, instead of it being three three and a half percent fees, it's you add a decimal point to it, it's point zero three five percent or something like something mm. along those lines. Really small, which I would be great with. You know, I mean, that, to me, that's a more sustainable and it's something we can absorb. In in one way, you can really argue with people you're actually paying for your own freaking flyer miles. Mm-hmm. You think you're getting cash back. And yeah. all. But if merchants have to absorb that, they've got to raise their prices to do that. And yeah. so ultimately, you're just getting your money back, you know, but, but let it, you have yeah. to spend more to get less kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really kind of an interesting thing. So credit card companies, $44 billion they made, and it's going to go up and up as they're... When we started out... Uh, nine years ago we used to have to go to the bank twice a week to deposit cash because you know uh, money comes in and we got to pay our bills today we actually go to the bank once a week to take money out because we have to pay the servers tips we don't actually take in enough cash to give our employees their tips every day because everything is charged we have been so programmed as moist robots to like you've I mean, think about those commercials. Like, you're the jerk who's writing a check. Use your credit card. Remember those commercials? <laughs> like, you're slowing down the line because mm-hmm. you're not using a credit card. That's yeah. incredible manipulation right. by these credit card companies to get you to use your credit Boy, card. Boy, it sure is. Boy, we all fell for it. What, do, you, do you pay a fee if somebody uses a debit card, too? That's we do. probably a stupid question. We but, do okay. because, at least most restaurants, it mm-hmm. runs as a credit card because we don't have pin pads. Oh, right. If you have a pin pad, then you can... Okay. Run it as a so true debit. Process. Oh, right. But it goes as like a Visa or Mastercard, mm. whatever you're. I just want to bring it back real quick to yeah. the <clears throat> to the sustainability component, and and what decision that you're making, Seth, mm-hmm. to to add that fee is is that, you know, would we rather be giving these thousands and thousands of dollars to these Wall Street banks, or, you know, instead putting that money towards adopting more sustainable practices. Right. So if you want to speak more to that, so well, yeah, you, you've so actually d- tackled yeah, this, where this. We're working on it. Where this started with me was, you know, I started looking at these fees, $186,000. And the one crucial thing that I'm missing for me that I want to give to all of our employees, I have about 75 employees now in the, in the two restaurants. We pay for 
gym memberships and work shoes and bicycles and you get an anniversary cake uh, with a $100 bill in it every year on your work anniversary. I mean, we can do all these great things, but we have not been able to figure out how to afford a good health care plan. Yeah. I mean, the cost is enormous. People don't realize what it costs a business to yeah, offer that. That's insane. So we, we've done, oh, every, every year we try to do an estimate on that. And the numbers come back, eighty dollars to $90,000 is our cost as a business. So I looked at that $186,000 number and I said, mm. if I can cut that in half, that's my health care right there. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. So our effective rate for credit cards is between 5 and 6% every month. When you look at how much money came in and then what goes out. And I said, okay, if we take that, let's call it 6%. And I say, look, I'm going to share it with anybody who uses a credit card. If you pay cash, you don't, you don't get affected. But I'm going to ask you to pay half that, 3%. And I'll absorb the other 3%. And if that works, and we're sort of coming to the end of this year of experiment, I'm hoping we can offer health care. Dude, you are a creative son of a bitch, man. I love that. <laughs> oh, thanks, well, what I also really admire about you, Seth, is that you... Like, I remember you telling me that... St- I mean, I remember... I interviewed a lot of people for that, all that stuff, but I remember that story. I remember you telling me that people would come in and say, like in January, where's a tomato? I want a tomato on my bird. Right. You can't, you can't grow tomatoes around here. And you educate people that way. Right. You, 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 it's what you're doing. With the, you, you take a situation where they're going to go, like, what the hell? Right. And then you go, well, here... What you're doing there, if you're able to tell that, I mean, see, that story resonates. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I can't afford health care. I mean, people want, other, every, we can all relate to this. Like, mm-hmm. health care is expensive. It's a mess. It's a big problem. And um, so that story really resonates, I would think, with people. Here's why we're doing this. Right. People, you know what? That sounds good, man. Right. Like, I'm, I'm down with that. Sure. Like, I, I get it. That's a good that's the why, and we're trying to explain why. It wasn't it's not just like, like I just want my one eighty six. And this goes back. I Man, think, it's a great it, example. I love that. It's, I always try to think about what, you know, the other side's going to say. People who are opposed to this sort of yeah. thing is going to think about. It. And I, I guarantee you that, just like when people are defending credit cards and saying, "Well, that should be a cost of doing business," I can just hear folks saying, "Well, you're a business. You're a restaurant," and you should be providing health benefits as a cost of doing business. Right. Which goes back to how we started this conversation with that. Well, yeah, but people don't want to pay the prices for a burger or a rotisserie chicken. Right. That will allow us to, because the the real fact is that 10, just 10% of restaurants provide health benefits to their employees. So if you're going to remain competitive, and frankly, I think most consumers look at menu prices and, they, and it's all apples to apples to apples to apples. They don't, it's like this chicken should cost the same here as it should cost somewhere right. else. Right. This burger should cost the same here as it does somewhere else. Right. And so if 90% of restaurants aren't incorporating that as a cost of doing business, well, it makes it real difficult for a small, independent, 60-seat restaurant like ours to then make that leap and do it because we need to keep our prices at least somewhat competitive mm-hmm. to what the other 90% of restaurants out there are charging. The, the number so, one pushback we always get is just raise your prices mm-hmm. to cover the credit. I don't want to know about the credit card fee. I don't want to be aware of it. Just raise your prices. Don't tell me. Yeah. And I'm always shocked at that because one, if we raise our prices, we're just giving more money to the credit card companies because mm-hmm. they're taking a percentage on a flat fee, right? So yeah. that's, that's just a silly argument to me. But, but also, it's sort of 
you know, a restaurant doesn't charge, I mean, generally you don't charge like $10.27 for something. You, you make it $10.50, $10.25. You're like, can we do that? So if I were to raise my prices to cover fees, I'm going to actually charge you more than 3%. Mm-hmm. I, instead of charging you $10, I'll probably make it $10.50. But that's more than 3% of the burger. Yeah. And then people who don't have a credit card, which is usually minorities, people, young people, people who haven't built up credit history, all of that, they're actually paying more for their food and being penalized because they have cash. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem fair. You know, I think about these f- food bloggers that, like, we have a good friend, my wife's good friend, Lisa Leak. She has this blog called 100 Days of Real Food. And, and she started like six years ago. And she decided she was going to just serve her family, just children. She was going to serve them real food for 100 days. Whether they went out or whether they ate at home, it had to be, you know, and her def- definition was like the, the number of ingredients or whatever, but just nothing processed. And uh, that turned into uh, like a hobby, turned into a popular blog, which turned into a big following, which turned into like three cookbooks she's done now and stuff like that. Well, that story has been, I mean, like a lot of other people have done that. I wonder if getting in touch with those types of people, because they're the same type of people that would relate to this. They're, they're moms, maybe some dads, but that are trying to raise their kids to be aware and eat healthy and consume grass-fed beef versus corn-fed, you know, all this stuff. Maybe they're a good audience to start educating on these issues because they have massive reach and they reach the kind of consumers that are thoughtful and care that actually make decisions change you know the way they operate in their family and their lives based on that like it's not a sexy topic though right you'd rather talk to a chef about the ingredients and hear the the chicken sizzling rather than talk about credit card (laughs) yeah it's got to be subtle. It's got to be woven it's, into it. But it can be. I mean, yeah. when you have people that have that much reach, like Lisa does, I mean, I, I'll talk to Lisa about this stuff. Like, I don't know. Maybe she's, blah, I don't know. But, like, they reach, um, you know, they, my wife and everybody she knows follows, like, they reach a lot of moms. And a lot of moms, when they become educated on this stuff, they they make different decisions, right? For, like, you know, you've got kids and you want to, so I'm just, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to tell you, I don't, um, Sean knows this, but Seth, I don't know if, uh, you know, I'm going to, like, I don't normally dress like this. I normally have, like, a T-shirt and jeans. But I'm leaving here. I'm going to Raleigh, and I'm meeting with the commissioner of insurance for the state of North Carolina, mm-hmm. Mike Causey. Okay. The reason I'm doing that is because we we got so tired of hearing so many of you say, I can't afford health insurance for my employees. And we said, all right. Why not? Well, there's no real buying power. You know, independent restaurants have, you know, one, two, three locations. There's no, you have no negotiation no power, pool. no buying power. Right. We are, well, we got 7,200 restaurants. We've got 300,000 restaurant employees that use our stuff and they're really engaged. Why can't we do something that, you know, pulls these folks together and gives them some kind of buying power? You know, is it crazy? I don't know. Why don't we go start finding out? So we start having some conversations, and that leads to this. And the guy, you know, this is where we need to start. But, you know, we, we kind of told him our vision. And he said, that's very interesting. I want to meet with you. So who knows what happens with that, but uh, but we'll see. 
That's I mean, great. there may be, and we're, 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 it started with healthcare and now we're, we're working on lots of other different types of potential benefits for the people that we serve. All the things that you were just talking about, like we're talking to the YMCA, we're talking to Orange, like we're talking to big national fitness facilities that, you know, uh, may want to reach the same people that we serve. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, we're, we're heavily in that yeah. process right now. We're talking to financial institutions that, you know, may want to take people that are unbanked and give them a free checking account. I mean, the whole vision, guys, is like, we, we, we believe very much in what I said earlier, like independent restaurants are like this last rest. I mean, McDonald's in five years is going to have like one person in there manning the machines that cook and serve and take, you know, all the, mm-hmm. there's just not going to be people there, you know, and fine. Like there's a place for that. Like if you want to quickly, you got kids and you're on a trip and you need something fast and you go get me whatever. But when you want to go out and you want to go somewhere and have some, you know, have i love the idea about the screens like get it because we all we want that people want you to do what you're doing mm-hmm. they don't want to do it themselves they need somebody to push them yes yeah. but but they're thankful for that yeah. and the more they I, I believe that very much i love that but we need that and so when we want to go somewhere and we want to check out and be with our friends and be with our family and be with members of our community y'all have the last place for that so i think that there's a you know, I hope everything doesn't go to delivering everything and eating everything at home. I think that's a terrible future, and I don't, I don't, I can't see that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy into the fact that independent restaurants have a bright future, have the the place where people can go and congregate. Therefore, they provide a great asset to their community. Every great city, you can't find a great city in the country, and you just go, why is it great? Easily in the top five thing is well, they got a lot of great restaurants. They got a good culinary scene. They got good music, good restaurants, or whatever. Therefore, it's an important asset for the communities you serve. Well, the people that work in those restaurants, they work their asses off. They work really hard, and they care a lot about what they do, and they pour a lot of passion and energy and love into what they do in trying to provide this home away from home for their guests, for your guests. And therefore, those people are really, really important to their communities. Well, unfortunately, you know, it's hard to pay them well. It's hard to provide them benefits. Um, And there's a lot of... Uh, there's there's a lot of issues with their substance abuse and there's all these things that impact a lot of restaurant people and there's not a lot of stability. Well, what if you could provide a slightly more of a path to stability? Mm -hmm. Financial services, healthcare, 401k plans, you know, fitness memberships and things like that that help them outside of work kind of eliminate a lot of these things that create instability then you know that's a good thing for them it's a good thing for the for the owner the a good thing for the consumer the good thing for the community that's our big crazy vision right now right. I, I don't know what's going to come of it but i mean it's it's important it's important work so we're we've actually done a lot of what you just said and it, it, it's tough we mm. actually we have simple ira we have a retirement fund for yeah. employees uh, something i'm real proud of and like a parent you tell your kids look you got to do this. This is really important. One day you're going to retire. Yeah. And we have we're struggling to get people to participate. And I'm matching, you know, what they put into their simple IRA. Yeah. Uh, we offered financial classes. We teamed up with a financial institution here in Durham, offered financial classes about, like, do you want to buy a house? Here, we will show you the path to do that. Yeah. How you do that, how you get out of debt, all those things. You know, low participation. Couldn't get people interested. 
Mm. And that's one of the challenges we have in restaurants is we have a very young workforce typically. Yeah, and they're so not thinking ahead. They don't want health care actually, right? I want them to have health care because I'm a parent, but they don't want it. They want more beer money. <laughs> They, yeah, well, when you're young, you're sort of, you feel like you're invincible. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. why, why, you know, um, I'll tell you something, uh, Angela Salamanca, she owns Centro over in Raleigh. Yeah. And they're starting next Voto at a food hall here in Durham somewhere. Mm-hmm. Last year, I guess, okay, so in 2018, she convinced her employees to give her like, I don't know if it was some or all, but they gave her like five bucks per paycheck like they let her keep five bucks per paycheck and uh they were like why are we doing this whatever but the end of the year she said when i started giving people in early december here's five hundred dollars of your money back to spend for whatever she's like they were she had people in tears like just a a simple forced savings (laughs) yes yeah She's like, just let me take it. She put it all on an account, and she just documented how much each person had right. contributed. Right. Here's your three fifty. Here's your six hundred. Right. Here you go. go. Now you ha- now they have money for Christmas. You know, right. What, right. That was a cool. That's a really I, cool practice. Every that, month we have employee meeting. I say ten dollars. You won't miss ten dollars out of a paycheck. Yeah. Just please start, and I. The hardest thing is just get that IRA started. Yeah. And you have time on your side. It's your biggest asset. Yeah. You know, nothing, the greatest force of the universe is compound interest. (laughs) Well, you know what they started doing at a lot of big corporations is that the 401k became a default. Right. Right? Right. You had to to opt out. Opt out. Yes. It's, you know, it's a, it's probably a a good way to program those moist robots. (laughs) Like, it's a healthy thing. It's something that actually benefits them. Right. You know? Um, so, well, that's interesting. Well, we, yeah, 401, so the, okay, so we did this survey, by the way, guys. We just took it off recently. We had it up for like three weeks. We just stuck a survey up on the mobile site. We didn't tell anybody about it. We didn't email anybody. We never emailed anybody about anything. Put a survey out there and said, you know, we're, we're working on trying to do benefits. We know healthcare is the biggest one. What else, you know, and I listed like 10 other things that we, you know, like rank these one to 10. Well, first of all, one question we did ask is we said, uh, how many of your restaurants provide health care? And for our audience, it was 39%, but vast majority of that 39% said it's only for the owners or you know managers or whatever. It wasn't for everybody. So that 10% is probably very accurate when you're talking about staff. Can you do that? Yeah. No, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> I think you could do that. you got to offer it for everybody. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know if it's, is that by state or maybe that's a... That's a law federal law I'm not sure I'm not sure of the, of the details I just know that we asked if we were able to just provide it for owners and management and you know, if you if you if you offer it everyone has to be, be able to that's to what I thought yeah. Yeah, yeah. But well anyway. maybe full I don't know maybe it was full time but anyway Ooh. we got well, that could be that's could, probably it, what it was maybe some people said it's only because they weren't full time yeah, yeah we had 5,000 responses wow. to our survey, which I didn't really know that was a big deal when I started talking to some of these companies about oh, it. Yeah. It's, like, it's a really big deal. We'll pay attention. Like, you know, so hopefully the point is like, I think that we got uh, because we have that much engagement, we're getting the attention of people pretty quickly, mm-hmm. which is, you know, because they know that if we were to offer something through them, they're going to get probably some good, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we weren't part of that 5,000. I didn't see the survey, so uh, how many, Some of how your many staff may have, though. Yeah. Who knows? It was I on did. the mobile site, you know. So y'all are probably on the desktop a lot of time. The staff's on the mobile. But yeah, yeah. we did, like, I mean, 401K was the biggest outside of healthcare. You know, 401K was a big one. A lot of them were the financial services. It's like, oh, student loan. Like, you know, student loan refinance. I got student loans, and I want to refinance those. Um, or I need to refinance my, you know, consolidate my debt, or I need to, I need a credit card. I don't have credit, and I, you know, regardless of, you know, you got to, to do a lot of things now, you got to have a, at least a track record of credit. Like if you ever want to buy a home, you better have a credit report. Sure. A lot of people don't have credit, you know. Right. So we're talking to some banks about well, what if you offer this really low limit credit card and to help people get and establish credit, things like that. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but. Um, Very cool. We're very early into it, but we're aggressively pursuing this stuff. Um, so, oh, shoes was another one. Like good shoes for work. Mm. We pay for those now. Uh, have you ever heard of Allbirds? Allbirds. Allbird, yeah. 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 There's. I, I didn't know about them. Somebody told me about them, but I emailed the founders last night. I was like, "Look, we got you know a lot of people that you know would like good shoes, and they've done like some customized stuff. So I, I was like, you know, maybe we could do some kind of like." customized schedule fly shoe or something that they could buy at cost or you know mm. I'm not making money off I just want you know yeah so anyway I'll see well that sounds great that's the plan we'll see what happens yeah what else y'all want to wrap about covered a lot of stuff I'm sure did, did. a lot yeah. of important stuff um I guess touching on on, on on one thing that I've talked to you about Will and, and that is and I, it sounds like we're slowly trying to to move it forward but i think it would be great to have i feel like there isn't there's no industry association that that speaks for small independent restaurants when it comes down to things like this you know uh there's the national restaurant association which does not speak for us it speaks for applebee's and golden corral which are just the, the only thing that those businesses have in common with us is that they make they cook food and and sell it Right. I mean, there's just so many things that are just making them very, very different mm. entities. The way that they're structured and the way that, you know that they have to operate. Uh, and I would love to start some sort of industry group here in the Triangle that starts here and maybe then it spreads to state level and then perhaps even nationally. I'll dream big, but something that that represents. You know our our businesses, our restaurants, and and, and uh, yeah, and because I think that people, lawmakers, need to hear from businesses like us and and and, and see it in numbers. Yeah. When, when we're talking about regulations and laws and policies uh, that affect us, you know, just for example, if North Carolina happened to be one of those states that the credit card industry lobbies to say, hey, you know, Seth, sorry, you you no longer have the freedom to charge customers what you want to charge them. Well, it would be great if we had a, a large group of people who said, no, we, we want to be able to have that freedom so that we can then take those funds and put them towards more sustainable practices. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, anyone out there who's listening that owns a restaurant here in the Triangle, let's make gonna, it happen. One thing we didn't touch on again with the credit cards, though, is um, the kind of a new model that's emerged is you know, every restaurant buys a POS system, whatever, yeah. you know, micro, yeah. oh, or whatever. Yeah. Well, the credit card company started realizing, you know, I still get calls every day 
hey, we want to do your credit card processing because there's so much money in it, mm -hmm. right? And that's why yeah. every business is bugged every day. Like, who does your processing? We'll beat them kind of thing. And they don't. But anyway, the, the companies started buying POS systems. Yep. So if you have Aloha, now you have no choice but to process with the, them for yep. credit cards. And now they get to dictate all the terms. You don't get to shop for rates or try to do better or anything. Yeah, a lot of them, too, are flooding the market with uh, this technology. That's, that's Their own it. POS. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, and it's, it's smart for that. They invest in good technology. They give it to you cheap. and then But that, that's. But then you get the credit card. But then you got yeah. the credit card. Right. And you know what's going to happen to those rates? Oh, we start off with, yeah, these rates. Wait three years. Right. <laughs> See what I mean, happens. The thing, anybody's coming to you will give you free POS just process with yeah. it. So it just shows you how much money is in there, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. one of the models of all these small like iPad based systems. Like, mm -hmm. We'll give it to you free. Just process with us. Yeah. Boy, we had some conversation. Mm, I'm not yeah. a fan. Well, yeah. um, this I like the association idea. Yeah. I like it a lot. And I like starting small and I like growing from there, you know, mm -hmm. organically and, and proving a model out and I mean we, there's something happening I mean we I mean that's maybe that's in our future at Schedule Fly it's all we do is serve independent restaurants mm -hmm. you know we want to advocate for them I mean that may be and that may be how you have to get healthcare and all this other stuff is to start an association and negotiate something for members but uh, I'll tell you this y'all the conversations that we're having with folks in the triangle are really meaningful and really powerful and y'all are uh, on the leading edge of being thoughtful and creative and outspoken and caring and really trying to use the right platforms to get these messages out there more so than anywhere else in the country. I mean, I can tell you like there's just not I, because I've been doing this for a long time and I've ta I mean, I, I'm not knocking on any other part of the country but for whatever reason, the triangle, uh, maybe it's because you have a highly educated population. I don't know what it is, but y'all all, uh, everybody I come across here is really understands the value of telling these stories and, and, and taking these messages to the consumer. And we're, um, we're going to do a lot more of this, a lot more roundtables. Um, and we're going to, I think we're going to start filming trying to film too cool. um, we have a on uh, December 15th um, Scott Crawford and a guy from Charleston named Steve Palmer are hosting this event at Crawford and Son and I'm going to um, speak with them about and this specifically about sobriety mm -hmm. which is a big issue for those guys but we're going to film that and we're going to put that on YouTube and cool. I'm hoping that if we can figure that out you know i've already spoken i've spoken to ashley christensen i've spoken to some other folks there about having these you know sort of s small group roundtable discussions in front of a you know paid audience um that touches on these topics where you can you know now so when, when scott and steve are there uh you know people are gonna it's on a sunday night when he's not normally open he's gonna cook food steve's gonna sign his new book and, you know, I don't know how they're, like, I don't know what they're, they're going to pay, sell tickets or what, I don't know all the details yet. But the point is, like, now you've got consumers from the community coming in and hearing this stuff. I mean, what if we had, literally, like today, what if we had had 50 people in here that were listening to this? Right. They'd, they'd go. Very cool. That's interesting. And then they'd tell their friends. And that's how 
maybe we can start spreading. Flesh it out with a Q&A from the audience afterwards. Just yes. Kind of dig deeper. and. Yeah, I kind of like, big, like you said, like big picture crazy dream would be, you all know TED Talks, right? Yeah, sure. Started in San Diego and now you got TEDx. All what if the triangle was like the epicenter of the hospitality version of TED Talks, mm. right? That's Starts great. here. We have reach. We have, you know, we serve, you know, people with big names around the country, bring them in, you know, where they've got 100,000 Instagram followers and they stick a, you know, video up on their Instagram page that was them talking about something, that, you know, some form. Yeah. Consumers will learn real fast about some of these issues. You can even host them live. Yeah, you could. I, I was I, that was actually my initial goal, and then I realized you have to have a thousand followers on YouTube to get YouTube oh, live. Right? Yes, <laughs> we got we got to work there because we just we don't we just I started a YouTube account because of that. But uh, yeah. but anyway, we could do it. I mean, we could probably tell people you know on our mobile site go follow us on YouTube, and they would. So anyway, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's that just sounds great. All moving in the right direction, I think. So, um, well, cool guys. This is good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Appreciate Will. it. Yeah, and it's nice to see. Lunch has started. That's right. Yeah, Lunch has started. Up. Making me hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, folks, that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. Uh, stay dialed in. Rank the podcast. Uh, the more uh, ratings we get or whatever, the more Apple, I guess, promotes it. So uh, if you're on your podcast player, hit that five stars. And uh, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Have a good one.